Good morning, church. How are we doing today? All right. Well, I tell you what, um, it's good to be in God's house. Good to be with God's church. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Pray that your will would be done, Lord, in everything that's said and done in this service. It's about you, Lord, and may you be glorified in Burlington Baptist Church. We pray it in Jesus' name and all God's people together said, amen. amen. I picked that little cartoon because I like that guy's hair, dude. You see that? He looked just like me. Kind of round. No, no. Anyway, I, uh, it was interesting. I, when I found out I was going to be preaching on this date, it was about four weeks ago. And um, so I began to think and pray as I'd been doing for the last 12 months or longer. Some of you smile and laugh at me about that. But anyway, I didn't think it was that funny then. I don't think it's that funny now. <laughs> but I began to think about what was I going to, start, what was I going to talk about. And, and, of course, the obvious thing for me in all of this was, what is God's will? And so I put this sermon together four weeks ago. And yes, last week, uh, we, Wednesday before last Sunday, you follow me? Joanne got a, 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 a call from Nick, and Nick said, I'm going to preach on God's will Sunday. You can't make this stuff up, can you? <laughs> so I, uh, I thought, well, what am I going to do? I, I already got this message. And I looked at his message, and I said, you know what? We do sermon series around here, and this is part B. This is part B, because the things that he spoke about uh, were very true, and I agreed with him uh, and uh, appreciate him so much. But there were some things that I wanted to share with you in addition to what he was talking about. And, and you know, we, we throw the term around God's will. Well, that's God's will. I remember my father died uh, in 2009, and I remember standing at his casket. Uh, he was a very, very, he was a businessman, so a lot of people knew him. And we stood there for nine hours, people coming through the line, you know, and it was just a great testimony to my father. But I remember people walking up to me while we were standing there, and my father was a Christian and a believer, and I know he's with the Lord, and I'm looking forward to seeing him someday. But people would walk up to me and, and say things, you know, we've all done this, we all do it, we, we, it's awkward sometimes, we don't know what to say. Uh, but I remember people walking up, there was a lady walked up to me and she said, well, honey, don't worry about it, it's God's will. And I don't know, at that moment, it just kind of shook me, you know, a little bit, kind of rocked my world. Even though I know we are God's uh, creation, we follow the Lord, we're Christ's followers, that just kind of stunned me for a second, you know. But what is God's will? How do we know what God's will is? I started looking for a passage of Scripture to use, and I think Nick even mentioned this. It's hard to find one passage of Scripture that summarizes the whole thing up, but ch check this out. These are some of the Scriptures that I found just to kind of get us started into this um, about the will of God. And I love this one. This is, uh, this is from Jeremiah 29. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, and they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. It sounds like the Lord's on our side, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like the Lord is on our side and wants good things for us in that one? Check this one out. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Man, that's good, too. That's the gospel message right there, isn't it? Check this one out. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And then Proverbs, somebody called me this week or shot me a text, I can't remember which it was, and said, Kent, I'm praying Proverbs 3, 5, 6 over you, and that really meant a lot to me, but listen to this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
Okay, I get that. And then it says, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make, your, make straight your paths. Man, that just ought to bring a smile to you. To know that we have a God that loves us, that cares for us. We find a lot of scripture that talks about God's will. Have you ever seen something happen, as I said, and they say, well, that's God's will? Or something happens in your life, personally, and you say, well, that must be God's will. I've asked that in my life. I've asked that in my life a lot over the last 18 months. This is not a presidential campaign that we're running here today. We are seeking God's will in this church. Amen? And I've prayed over this and prayed over this, and don't think I took this lightly. Some of you know I haven't. Some of you pushed me and, and talked to me. And, uh, but, you know, you didn't push me into something that I didn't already know that God was leading me to do. I asked several people in our church, I said, if I were to come up to you and ask you what God's will is, how would you answer that? Here's some of the answers that I got from the uh, folks at Burlington Baptist Church. One of them said, I have a peace when I'm in God's will. Isn't that truth? Amen? Got to get a witness on that. When you're in God's will, you feel peace. That's a pretty good one. Look at this one. This, this one, the lady was laughing. She said, well, on the big stuff, I have to have a billboard, you know, because I'm usually kicking and dragging. And then she stopped and she said, no, I can just tell. That's pretty good. Here's one. Pray and listen, and then I see it unfold. That's really good, isn't it? I like this one, too. I feel his presence when I pray throughout the day. I feel his presence, and I know what God's will is in my life. And when I pray, I hear his voice. Things happen that point me to the way, was the way another person said. You ever had that, those little Holy Ghost nudgings, I call them? Through reading his word, there's a good one. That's a really good one. Now, here's one that, uh, you know, you guys know I ride a Harley, right? I'm a motorcycle nut. I love, I'm supposed to, yeah, I love, I love to ride Harleys. But I had this buddy of mine, I went over to him, I went to him and I asked him, I said, buddy, tell me how you know. He's a biker guy, a friend of mine. I said, how do you know God's will? He said, here's what I know. He said, I don't always know when I'm in it, but I know when I ain't. <laughs> it's pretty clear right there, isn't it? I'm not sure, but I know when I ain't. These are just a few of the answers that I got from folks in this church. I got one this week that I didn't get it in on before the cutoff on the, on the screen, but I thought this one was really good. Uh, she's a lady that I have a lot of respect for, and she, I said, how do you know God's will given, you know, I know she was a, a studier of the word, and I know she walked with the Jesus, and she said, here's what I know. I can look back, and he never left. She said, I know looking back, he's never left me. He was there all the time. I was about, whoa, that's really good right there. So many ideas on God's will. One quote that I read uh, came from a pastor, and he said, Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously doing God's will. Mm. Think about that. And it's not that there aren't things that are right and wrong in the world, but, you know, God calls us to do his will, and he calls us to follow his leading and if he's calling us to do it, what else do we need? What else do we really need? Today as Christians, are you seeking God's will in your life? Today as a church, are we truly seeking God's will for our church? I believe we are. I believe that we are. During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln met with a group of ministers for a prayer breakfast. Lincoln was not a churchgoer, but he was a man of deep, if not unorthodox, faith at times. 
And at one point, one of the ministers said, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. I can hear a preacher doing that, can't you? Let us pray that God is on our side. Lincoln's response showed far greater insight, and here's what he said. No, gentlemen, let us pray that we are on God's side. President Lincoln reminded those ministers that religion is not a tool by which we get God to do what we want, but an invitation to open ourselves to being and doing what God wants. And that's what we're seeking to do today, is to find God's will in our lives and in this church. You're here for a reason today, right? We came to this place for a reason, to worship, to have God reveal himself to us. And as I studied this topic and as I wrestled with this over the last 12 months, 18 months, those of you that weren't here last Sunday night for the questioning, I made it. <laughs> no, it was, it was fine. Uh, interesting thing that came up in that, though, was people said to me, um, when did you know that you were supposed to do this? And I got to tell you the truth, I knew I was supposed to do it three months after it happened last, last year, whatever it was. But I wish I could tell you that I'm one of these saint guys, you know, that, that, that's a hero. Uh, I'm usually one of those that's got his feet dug in and I'm kicking and screaming. You know, making sure. And I went to Jeff and I told Jeff what I was thinking and I said, Jeff, what do you think about this? And he said, we need to keep praying, brother. I said, I agree with that. I agree with that. And he said, we don't want to get in God's way. I went home that night and you know what my wife said? Well, you know what you got to do. I love it when she does that kind of stuff to me. <laughs> it's one of the problems of being married to a godly woman. This journey that you're seeing here today, this is a 40-year journey. You've only known about it for eight years, but it's been going on for 40 years. As I studied and I thought about God's will, how do you know what God's will is? Looked at these scriptures. We've prayed together as a staff. We've tried to seek God's will as a staff. A couple of things came to my mind and a couple of things jumped out at me. And I want to share those with you today, observations. And I believe that if you look in the scriptures, you will see even that they line up, these things that I'm going to mention to you, they line up with the stories in the Bible. How do we know God's will? Here's one of the principles that I believe that God's will reflects to us, and that is that God's will will never contradict his word. You know, there's two words, we say word in English, word. In Greek, there's a couple of words, Brother Jim, Brother Doc. One of them is logos, and logos is the living word, and it references in the beginning, God. And it's talking about Jesus was there with him in the beginning. He was the logos. There's another word for word in the Greek, and it's remos. And that word is a spoken word, or it becomes written word. God's will will never contradict his word. If we truly believe this book, we can trust it. Somebody say amen. amen. If we believe it is what it says it is, we can trust it. It's important that we know what it says, though. It's important that we study what it says. You know, how much time do we spend reading the scriptures? 
Not enough? Is that what somebody said? Yeah. You know, I got time for everything in the world that I want to do. Like I said, I, I uh, in the day, uh, in the hours of the day, people will, will call me and I'll have things going on. And, and I'm, you know, I got to share a big secret with you guys. I'm easily distracted. <laughs> yeah, squirrel. But I think it's important that we spend time in God's word and we pray and we seek God's will. And that's something that I've started trying to do more. I'm not telling you that to be pious. I'm just telling you that because it works. And I've learned it in my own life that if we know God's word, if we seek God's will, you know, a lot of it has to do with with understanding what he has to say to us. How much time do we spend there? To be a healthy disciple, we have to abide in his word. The scripture says that in John 8, 31. John 8, 31. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You know, when we study the scripture and we ask God to pray, we pray over, we ask God, lead me, show me, break it down for me, Lord. Let me see what it is that you want. So many times it'll come through in his word. And that's why I think in, in Burlington Baptist Church, you've heard over the last eight years at least, and I know it was even here before that, we've stressed small groups. We're stressing, get involved, get in a group. Because you know what? In a church this size, we have two services. I'm just curious, how many of you know the person sitting behind you by first name? Yeah. Yeah, I got to turn around and see who it is, right? But I mean, look at this, okay? It's me, it's me, right? If you, if you look, that's kind of interesting because we come in this place and we corporately worship, but where are you connecting? Where are you personally getting your connection and your fuel in God's word? And we believe in this church that small groups are a big part of that. This is our corporate worship, and you connect here, and i got no problem with that. But, but what about a friend that you might need in the middle of the night or somebody that you need to come and pray with you? That's what we develop and build in these small groups as we study God's word. And we pick up the model of the New Testament church. So if you're not one of those, I want to encourage you to do that. We're talking about the Bible, talking about the Word of God. I heard a pastor say it like this, and I agree with him. Decide that regardless of culture, tradition, reason, or emotion, you should choose the Bible as your authority. Kind of quiet. Decide that regardless of the culture, tradition, reason, or emotion, you should choose the Bible as your authority. You know what? It doesn't matter whether we're riding in a mule, riding on a mule, flying in an airplane, riding on a camel. The Word of God is true, and it speaks to mankind, and it has spoken to mankind throughout the ages. It's year after year the number one book that sells. Why is it so hard for us to do? I'll tell you what I think. I really think that it's just we get out of a habit. We don't have a good habit of it. They say that if you do something for 20, uh, 25 consecutive days, it can develop into a habit. I want to challenge you today for the next 25 days. Open your Bible up and just read it. You know what? I got to where, I got to thinking the other day, how many times a day do you pull this thing out and look at it? The day I retire, I'm going to go down there on the bridge, 275. But I found out something good about this. There's a thing on here that's called version. You're carrying the Word of God. If you've got an iPhone, you can get that app. Put it right in your phone. And you know what? I started doing that. And the daily devotions, it's amazing how they hit right where I'm living just about every day. So I would encourage you to do that. I encourage you today. My point is, the will of God will never contradict His Word, and we have to know His Word. In order to know His Word, we have to study His Word. Amen? 
<laughs> it's interesting to note that Jesus, in the, in the book of Matthew, turn that up there. When Jesus, the, the devil came to, to tempt Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? Huh? He quoted scripture. Check this out, Matthew 4. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it, say it with me, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, the word of God. Now let's check this out. This is how brash the devil is. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him up on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, click it, he will command his angels concerning you. And on other hands, on their hands, they will bear, up, bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, again it is written, thou shalt not put the Lord your God to test. You ever do that? Satan gets on you. Monday morning about 9 o'clock, you go into work, traffic's jacked up, you're riding along. And all of a sudden you realize, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Just a thought. The word of God is powerful. It can speak to us. And it's important that we have that in our lives. I meet people all the time that say, you know, I just don't understand the Bible. I just don't understand it. Well, you know what? They've got them written in just about every language now. I bought one a couple of, of months ago. One of my neighbors came to me and he said, I've read the Bible over and over and over. And he said, I can't make a lick of sense out of it. And they got this Bible out now called The Story. Any of you ever read this, this new book called the, or the Bible? called the, It's amazing, isn't it? It's in a story format. And I bought one of those and took it to my neighbor. And he caught me out in the yard cutting grass. And he said, come here, come here. I went over and he said, for the first time, it's making sense to me. In this day and time, I don't believe there's any reason that we should have that we can't get into the Word of God. Somebody say amen. It's life. It gives us hope. It gives us joy. <laughs> As humans, we struggle with something that's very real, and that is that we want to run our own lives. Newsflash. What happened to Adam and Eve? That's what... That's what the story was, wasn't it? And, you know, we all want to throw a rock at them and cast stones at them, but what about you? What about me? I did the same thing. I did, oh, yeah, it won't bother just a little bit of sin. It won't bother me just a little bit, right? Just, just a little? Yeah, no. That's what we, we want to run our own lives. I have never in my life, and I've been in church most of my life, I've never seen a split in a church or a problem in a church that wasn't a result of what somebody wanted. Somebody say amen. When it's uni disunity and discord, right? As human beings, we want to run our business our way. We want to run everything. That's to human nature, right? But the Lord, I mean, he teaches us a different thing. That's why we need to read the scripture. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Come to church. Walk in accordance with the word. Like Psalms 143, check this out. It says, teach me to do your will for you are my God and let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Whew, I like level ground as I'm approaching 60. Level ground looking better as approaching 60, don't it, Pop? My father-in-law is here today, by the way, you guys, and uh, I'm so thankful to have him here with me. It's quite an encouragement. 
But yeah, David said, let, let your, teach, your, teach me to do your will, for you are my God, and may your gracious spirit lead me on level ground. And that level ground thing means that it's, I get the picture that there's not a lot of uh, stress. You're just walking, and his spirit's leading. Psalms 25 says he leads humble people to do what is right, and he teaches them his way. If that's the case, how do we know what is right? We follow him. We ask him. He leads us, and his will will not contradict his word. Here's another thought. When your world's being turned upside down, where do you turn? Just think about that for a second. Where do you turn when things are going upside down in your world? I can't be still. You guys know that, right? I'm not going to touch anybody or point anybody out. Don't panic. So many times, especially since I've been, been over here, you know, in my job that I've been involved in with pastoral care, we talk to people. and People come in and they're hurting. And you know what I find a lot of times? The problem is that folks, their, their worldview causes them an issue because they don't understand that God's working in their life. They're trying to seek the Lord, but they don't understand when something happens. And those, so people turn to all kinds of things, don't they? But when we know that God is on our side, we can turn to him in faith and know that he will take care of us. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. There will be affirmations is the second point of how we can know God's will. There will be affirmations. Anybody here ever had something going in your life and you're wondering whether you're doing the will of God or not and then all of a sudden, boom, there's a clear sign. You're like, man, that's as real as uh, that door back there, right? There will be affirmations. Look at the stories in the Bible, time after time after time. And I feel like there's hope for me because some of those guys were a mess. Some of those men and women were a mess. God called them to do something, and one of them said, I can't talk. God said, I'll talk for you, right? I mean, think about the stories of the Bible, but God used them. You know what the difference is between them and us? They were willing. They were willing to do it. We have to follow him. Follow him, and there will be affirmations. I told you the story last year about when I came over here. I was kicking and screaming, man. I didn't even know where Burlington was. Burlington was on a sign out there on I-75 that I passed on the way to Bowling Green to see my family. And one day I get this call, and they said, we need to go over to Burlington Baptist Church. And I'm like, for what? And they said, well, and, you know, next thing I know, I'm, I'm right in the middle of this over here. You think God doesn't have a sense of humor? I drive 42 miles to get here, past thousands of churches, but this is the one that he put me in, me and my wife. And there was a reason for that. I needed you all. Because I'm not sure that any other church at this period in my life, I would do what I'm doing today, or even attempt to do it. We're all on a journey. We all got a story. There were affirmations along the way. And there were affirmations in the Bible. Manna fell from heaven. I love the story when they came out of Egypt. Don't you just, here they are. They're ready to go. Go into the promised land. They're pumped up. Here we go. Yeah. Next thing you know, they're out of food. Oh, we should have stayed back there. Good Lord. What in the world? <laughs> just like me. Just exactly like me. I knew. I told you. I knew it was going to be like this. I think that hit a nerve, don't you, right there? Yeah. But manna fell from heaven. Uh, there were affirmations. There was another affirmation that came in the Bible. And there were prophecies of it that was going to happen. Some even suspect that Genesis 3.15 was the first sign of it. But it said that there would be a Savior that would be born. And then there was a star. There was an affirmation, wasn't there? And then, of course, we know the rest of the story. And there was a Savior that was born. 
You know, just because we see affirmations doesn't always mean it's going to be easy. Um, he said his yoke was easy, but sometimes the missions can be difficult that he calls us to do. But with his help and with his strength and his guidance, we can do this. We can do this. And not one of us can do it by ourselves. It's going to take us all. It's going to take us all. Affirmations come in many ways. You might hear it through a sermon. You might hear it through a friend. You might hear it through a Bible study. You ever have a friend just walk up to you and, and say something to you and it's like, wow, that was a word from the Lord. Spoke to me, right? Or maybe you're in a Bible study with your friends. I've heard you share some of these things where it's like, golly, man, that's really, that's amazing. God spoke to me through that. Changed my life. That's what it's supposed to do. And that's what it will do. It will change our lives. So God's will will show affirmations. But here's another thing that God's will, I believe about it, is God's will is so big that you can't do it on your own. According to the scripture, you're created uniquely by God for a purpose. Now, you know, I've shared this with you before. Um, I married this girl. I thought when I was gr growing up that I'd have a, a musician wife. Music's a big part of my life, but the Lord's a bigger part. And I met this girl, and I thought, man, this is it, you know. And guess what? She can't sing a lick. <laughs> I mean, it's bad. I told you guys, you, you've seen the Barney Fife episode in the choir when he's singing in the choir on Andy Griffith? Now, my wife knows that I'm doing this, okay? So don't think I'm digging her out and picking her out of the crowd. My wife has other gifts. I'm going to tell you what two of them are. One of them is she is a great woman of faith, and she follows and walks with Jesus. And she keeps me centered with that. The other thing is she's a kid magnet. Holy cow. When I was dating her, I should have known. We sit on the back row. You know how you do in the Baptist church when you're teenagers? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we sat back there, and the first time I went to, to, to court her, I sat down, and the next thing I knew, there were 35 kids between me and her. Is that true or not? It's true. And, you know, uh, but what a blessing because she changes and feeds into children's lives. And so we get to minister together. That's her thing. God has called you to do something, has given you a gift to do something. And what are you doing with it? Now, I'm not preaching at you. I'm sharing with you because, like I said, this was a 40-year journey for me to come to this place. There's not another you in the world. Woo. That's deep, ain't it? We're like snowflakes, you know? But think about that, really. Think about that. Of all the people in the world, God created you uniquely for who you are. And he gave you a gift. He gave you multiple gifts in some cases. And we need to use those for his will. And his will is so big that you can't do it by yourself. Think about the, uh, the story of, of salvation. Colossians 1 says this. God rescued us from the power of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his son, whom he loves. His son paid the price to free us, which means that our sins are forgiven. Woo! You ever have anybody love you like that? No, me either. And my mama loves me pretty good, but not like that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I know that passage is later, but I feel like I need to say it now. Boys, don't panic in the balcony. I take them everywhere up there. They just go crazy when I'm down here. <laughs> the plan of salvation. God, from the very beginning, wanted to be in a relationship with you and with me. 
That's what he wanted. And he sent his son to die on a cross to pay the price that you and I could live forever. Wow. Thinking about God's will being so big that you can't do it by yourself. Think about those guys in the Old Testament. What about Abraham? Woo! Yeah. Isaac. Noah. There's one. How about Daniel? Huh? Yeah. And you could just go right on. The prophets. Isaiah. Jeremiah. I mean, think about these. Jonah. There's one I relate to. I got the Jonah syndrome happening up here. I want to run. But they followed the Lord... And they did great things in the kingdom of God. When we start with us instead of God, we get in trouble. And I got a confession to make to you guys. I've done that off and on for a lot of years. And I'm not proud of that. It's taken me a while to figure it out, but it doesn't start with us, it starts with Him. It starts with Him. And the gifts that he's given you. And when we put it in perspective that our purpose in life is to serve him and to spread this good news to the world that's starving for it, it'll line up pretty quick. And with God's help, we can do that. It's not what I want. It's not what I desire. In fact, when you start doing this, you realize that that changes, doesn't it? Somebody say amen. Is that true? Does it change when you follow Christ, your desires and your wants? And then the last thing that I, I think about God's will is that it will always be redemptive. I love that point when Nick was talking last week, you know, there's forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of that. I need a lot of that. God's will from the beginning, he pursued mankind, wanted to be in a relationship, but man was rebellious. But God didn't give up on us. And he's not giving up on you today. It doesn't matter what you've done. He stands with his arms open saying, come unto me, trust me, walk with me. I've said it before, I think it's one of the greatest illustrations I've ever seen. If God had this big refrigerator, your picture would be right on the front of it. How cool is that? You can't even see our refrigerator for our grandkids' pictures. You open the door, stuff falls all over the floor. God's ultimate will in the beginning was to be in fellowship with man and as a result of the fall... Because we broke that, we messed it up. As a result of that, he sent his son Jesus to repair it. How good is that? And we can have eternal life through Jesus. Now John 3.16 says, for what? Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's not just a little life, that's eternal life. And that's here and now as well. Amen? only regret I have is that I didn't do it sooner. Look at Romans 3.23. You say, well, you just don't know what I've done, Kent. You have no idea. Let me tell you something. There ain't anybody in here that can throw stones. Come on. We're in this thing together. We're called human beings. We're flawed. We're flawed. Because all people have sinned and come short of the glory of God... They receive God's approval freely by what? An act of his kindness through the price that Christ paid to set us free from sin. God showed that Christ is the throne of mercy where God's approval is given through faith in Christ's blood. Woo! People don't want to hear you talk about the blood, but let me tell you something. There's power in the blood of Jesus. 
I'm thankful for that in my life. I'm thankful for that. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this as well, about this redemption thing. 15.21 says, Since a man brought death, a man also brought life from death. And as everyone dies because of Adam, so also everyone will be made alive because of Christ. This will happen to each person in his own turn. Christ is the first, and then at his coming, those who belong to him will be made alive. I have to do funerals from time to time. And I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier to stand there when it's somebody that you know has walked with Jesus. I'm not judging. We can't judge. I understand that. But uh, it's kind of cool when you know somebody was a saint of God in their life and they walked with the Lord. It's a celebration. We're going home. It's forever. How cool is that? And thus the story of the cross. It's bigger than we could ever imagine. It's redemptive. God's will is redemptive. God's story is that he seeks man. He's seeking you today. He's seeking me. God's story is that he wants to be in fellowship with you. He wants to be in fellowship with me. So why are you running? And why do I run? Maybe it's because we're scared sometimes that might get us into something we don't know how we're going to handle it. It's God's will sometimes that he puts us right in the center of it and then he shows us how to handle it. And by his grace, we can handle it. Somebody say amen. When do you say yes to salvation? When do you say yes? Maybe you're here today and and you've heard this story of the gospel and the story of grace and you've never accepted Christ. When do you say yes? I remember growing up, you know, my dad had this quartet. I talk about my dad a little bit today, but he had a quartet and, and we'd go to churches and sing. And I, and I didn't give my heart to the Lord like all the other kids uh, when I was younger. And I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of that. I'm just telling you, I didn't do that. And so my father uh, said, you know, you need to think about this. You're 14 years old and you need to think about what are you going to do with your life? And I remember him praying over me and praying with me. And one Sunday morning, I went to the Monterey Baptist Church over in Ohio, out in the middle of nowhere. Well, it ain't so much anymore. And I was standing back there on the pew, about wherever, I ain't going to point it out because everybody will look who's sitting in that spot today, and I ain't going to do that to you. They started singing Just As I Am, and I did the Just As I Am shuffle. Y'all ever do that? It's where you grab the pew in front of you and you white knuckle it because you're under conviction. And I couldn't stand it anymore. I remember thinking, why am I doing this? Why don't I give my heart to the Lord? He loves me. He wants to lead my life, wants to direct my life. And I tell you what, I took a step out, and I don't remember what happened. I just remember I was there, brother. And when I came up, there was a peace that passes all understanding. And God wants to do that for you today if you've never done that. He wants to give you peace. God's will for you and I are good. God's will will not contradict his word. God's will will show us affirmations along the way. God's will is bigger than anything you or I can accomplish on our own. And the best part is God's will is redemptive. Amen? It's redemptive. I want to close today. I want to read a scripture to you. Now, I know this is a lot of reading. Will you bear with me and indulge me on so I can read this to you, though? Because when it comes to worship, this was one that I, I wanted to read. Um, as the scripture, but it's just, oh, it's just amazing. It's Romans 12, and when you get home today or in the next week, get a chance, read this. But check this out. I'm going to read, read it. I want you to read along with me. And this is what I see for our church in the future. This is what I see. So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. 
Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Not a thing in there about what style of music we're singing. Somebody say amen. It's about worshiping God. It's not about styles. Come on. Check this out. Don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. <laughs> Next. Because of the privilege of authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. This is Paul. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other, whether we like it or not. I was an only child. I didn't have brothers and sisters. You don't get to pick them, do you? You know what? In a church, we're in this together. Doesn't mean that we're not going to disagree on things from time to time. That's people. Here's the problem. When we get into a disagreement that we can't resolve, then we got an issue. Somebody say amen because you know what? Christians, that's what we do. This is what it's about right here. Check this out. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out. With as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. we got people in this church that do all of this. If you're a teacher, teach well. I just walked through the basement down there a while ago after the first service, and I could hear the teaching, and it's just amazing. It's amazing. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And hate what is wrong. And hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep praying. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help and always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Uh-oh, come on now. Don't cuss them or curse them. That's my hillbilly coming out, sorry. Pray that God will bless them. You got that one down? Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep and live in harmony with each other. And don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. And do all that you can to live in peace with everybody. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge and I'll pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. That's good, Pete. I like that. Here's the last word. Don't let evil conquer you but conquer evil by doing good. 
That's my prayer for this church. That's my vision for this church. This is an amazing church. You all are wonderful, and I don't mean to butter you up or anything, you know, whatever. I love this church. I love what you've done for me and my family. I love the way that you've ministered to me. And by God's grace, we're going to continue that. And we will go forward and we will seek his will, whatever that is. It's going to be tough times. With God's help, we can do it. And with your help, every one of you, you are a critical part of this. Every single one of you. Okay? Do this. You with me? You're a part of it, man. We're family. Amen? We go into a part of our service right here in the Baptist tradition where we give an invitation to what we call it our time of commitment. It's a time for uh, reaction or whatever you want to call response is the word I'm looking for. And so what we do here is we open this up and we, we say, if you'd like to come forward and accept Christ, we'll pray with you. We'll read scripture with you. We got people waiting in line to pray with you. We do. We also have communion on both sides here. Maybe this is a day that you just feel blessed. Um, we got plenty of time. We can still beat the Methodist to Wendy's if we. Yeah. You want to bring your family up and have communion? Do that. Do that. Whatever the need is, come forward if you want us to pray with you. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. Lead us, Chris, as we do this part of our service. <laughs>